The Blaze Radio Network. On demand. The progressive movement is full of lies. Why do Americans keep falling for the deception? In his new book, Liars, Glenn Beck reveals the simple answer, fear. At our most basic level, we're all afraid of something. And progressives exploit this by offering us solutions to our fears. Solutions based on lies and an unrelenting hunger for power and control. Understanding the roots of these lies is key to helping us stop the disease of progressivism. Liars by Glenn Beck. On sale now at glennbeck.com slash liars. And now, the Blaze Radio Network presents 40 Acres and a Fool. Here's your host, Cam Edwards. Greetings from the near frontier. Thanks for tuning in to another edition of 40 Acres and a Fool here on the Blaze Radio Network. Cam Edwards. And me. Miss E. Miss E. Yes. Sorry for a lack of a podcast last week. It was... Just busy. One of those things, right? Where all of a sudden it was just like, okay, can we do it tonight? No, no. can't do it tonight. Can we do? It? No, no, no. So no. glad to be with you, and uh, apologies again for our absence. Um, hopefully, I was I was kind of hoping that once the kids got back to school, we'd be able to get back on a regular schedule. But uh, hopefully, we will. Well, <laughs> now you traveling, so it's right. been hard. And you're going to be gone next weekend, and we were trying to do them Sunday in the evenings, and so that's not going to be next weekend again. So yeah, uh, yeah. Maybe we'll do. Uh, well, we'll have to do one. Yeah, so we might be a little late because I'm going to Milwaukee, Wisconsin this weekend for the NRA Carry Guard Expo, August 25th through the 27th. Uh, NRACarryGuardExpo.com if you would like tickets. So that'll be exciting. And uh, last weekend I was in Bristol, Tennessee. I always want to say Bristol, Virginia. Because mm, well, there kinda, is a Bristol, Virginia, but the racetrack is actually in Tennessee. Aren't they like – there's like a street where there's Bristol, state Tennessee. Street. Yeah. Okay. And and the, the, the uh, state line runs right down the middle of State Street. <laughs> so one side is Bristol, Virginia. The other side is Bristol, Tennessee. Uh, all the bars and the honky tonks are on the Tennessee side because Virginia has a law. We don't really have bars in Virginia. We can't have bars. Any place that serves alcohol has to get, I think it's at least 40% of its revenue yeah. from food sales. Right. So we don't have just bars where you can go and have a beer and don't have to worry about buying food. Right. Which is which was weird because in Oklahoma, you would have the corner bar. Oh, yeah. And I that's remember, just it, what I— Is it Edna's or Edith's? Edna's. Edna's. That dive. Yes. Loved it. I did, too. Edna's, <laughs> Edna's was the first place I was served underage, actually. Was it so really? It was. Yeah, because back when I was in high school, Edna's was known as the place where you could go get. as a high school student and uh, never get carded. So, oh, okay. Yeah, so I have some fuzzy, vague, fond memories of Edna's. <laughs> I got my first was, uh, I think it was like a hotel bar over in. Mount Holly or somewhere. I don't remember. But um, what was funny was that I got into this bar and I had a drink. And then I realized that the drummer of the band that was playing mm-hmm. used to be my babysitter when I was younger. <laughs> he lived across the street from me. He came right over to my table after the set, too, and was like, what? <laughs> yeah, that was awkward. Yeah, but. I didn't run into anybody I knew at, uh, at Edna's, thankfully. Um so anyway, it has been a, a good week. Uh, if you've been following along on Instagram at Corny Goat Farm or at Cam Edwards, you've been getting a lot more pictures from the farm if you're following at Corny Goat Farm. Yes. Uh, and uh, you have been very busy while I was gone. I mean, now we're 
it's so cool. Yeah, it's stuff is stuff is so ripening. Long, but now we're getting, you know, probably a pint at least of tomatoes a day. If not that, we get more because um, one of those uh, Cherokee purples is so big that it is a pint. That's true. Yeah, I was just thinking of the, the of cherries the, and the saladettes and the smaller ones. We're at least getting a pint, probably not a pint and a half or so. I was going to say, yeah, we have, and we've got all the different types, but I think I was telling you yesterday, I got seven eggs, and so we I had a big red Folgers container. That's like the extra farm tool that they never tell you about, but like everybody the uses can. them all over the place. Yeah. It's the coffee can, and it's plastic, and it has like a handle, so you can scoop feed, and you can mold it so you can pour down the feeding tube to get the chicken feed in mm-hmm. so you're not having to use littler cups you, so it's it's the mul- it's the best multi-purpose tool anyway i used it to get the eggs and i filled up to the top with the cherry tomatoes nice so yeah i think i'm going to take all the yellowish and yellow and gold ones and make a ketchup that would be cool Last, that kind of looks like mustard. Yeah, because last night's cylinder was gazpacho, and I used the Cherokee purples. I used the uh, Bush's Early Girl, which are red. I used the Amish Gold Slicers, which are like a very, very gold orange color. Mm-hmm. And then I used lemon yellow vernissage, which are a pale yellow, and Hartman's Golden Yellow ha- Gooseberries. Hartman's Yellow Gooseberries, which are another gold, but a different gold than the Amish Gold. And then I think I used some chocolate cherries and... Oh, some of those bumblebees, and they're like striated. They they almost look like peachy and pearlescent gold. Right, they're yeah. really pretty. They're, yeah, <gasps> but I saw a picture on Instagram today. It was a uh, one of those uh, uh, Baker's Baker's Creek. Mm-hmm. They've got that guy in the Ukraine who who got who who raises carrots or, or not carrots tomatoes he makes these awesomely crazy color combinations yeah and i saw some today i was just like i have to get those seeds for next year <laughs> they were so cool they were just so incredibly stunning the, the and the variations of the colors mm-hmm. were neat but very striking yeah i'm i'm a big visual fan we've had people ask if so they taste different not really i mean some like, of them do sun golds are sweeter uh, the paler you know. the or the paler the tomato, the less acidic it is. So the tomato flavor is less intense. Yeah. The darker the tomato, there's more like antioxidants and stuff, so it's actually better for you. Right. But I mean, generally speaking. But generally no. speaking, they say they, they all taste, taste like tomatoes. Like tomatoes. <laughs> might get a little bit sweeter, might get a little bit more, you know, meaty, beefy on the inside. But uh, I just love the variations and how they look. Yeah. You know, and that's what's so cool. It's like a little, you know, work of art on your on your dining room table. Yeah, it is. It's like a little still like still art. And I've been posting pictures. I've been trying to identify what's what. And um, Packed the first jar of peppers as well yes, of the year. We had enough hot and a couple of sweet um, sweet greens that I was able to get a quart of nicely crushed down in there. Hot peppers, the very first pepper of the year. <laughs> so I'm, I'm very excited. And I have a plastic box uh, on the shelf behind my desk. Yeah. So. Um, pumpkins are uh, coming along. We are still doing battle with the squash, squash bugs. bugs. We're squishing we're, a lot of squash bugs. We're squishing bugs. a lot of squash bugs, right? So we've sprayed that Captain, Captain Jack's, Jack's or whatever. And, uh, you know, I don't know how, how – <clears throat> I don't know how much it cut down. Maybe we'd have a lot worse of a problem than we but, uh, do if we hadn't used it. But we still have a lot of eggs being laid. And so you, what you do is, you know, if you're growing pumpkins, you look for – they, they look like little – Tiny copper or bronze, like pellets almost. And they're all so geometrical. Right. And they're laid out in like a geometric pattern and different geometric patterns on the leaf. Those are the eggs for the squash bugs. So if you can squash the, the eggs 
or you know, try to rip out just part of the leaf where the eggs are on. But you have to look on top and you have to look on underneath the because they'll they'll be underneath too. And so what I've done now is at night I go out and I'll you know lift up and turn over the leaves and I'll find a lot of these little nymphs. Mm. Uh, so they you know the eggs have hatched and now you've got these like very pale gray, tiny little spidery looking things. Yeah, they're weird looking. Right? But they don't fly. Yeah, they, and they're really dumb. They don't go they're anywhere. They're really dumb. So, so you can squish, squish them. I mean, that's the thing. Like, it's intensive. I feel like we're keeping them in check. Yeah. I don't feel like we've won yet, but no. I feel like we've at least, you know, drawn to a stalemate. Yes. And I think as long as we don't get rain for the next couple of days, probably can get out there and spray again because there's no point spraying if it's just going to rain and rinse it off. Right. So. I need to get out there. I'm going to go check the weather. We have a 90% chance of rain on Wednesday. Yeah, okay. So, so that'll have to be after that. It'll be after, after that. But the good news is is the uh, week ago, the next week, it was supposed to be raining all week. But now it's only down to a 10% chance. So I'll let the, they'll let the soaking happen. And then I'll go out when the leaves have dried off and spray so that the, the leaves can dry with the stuff on them. Yeah. So not a lot of foolish things here uh, to talk about on this week's 40 Acres and a Fool. Although I will say, I don't know, it's, maybe it's not, it's a, it might not be a foolish thing, but uh, our raised garden beds, I did figure out that uh, when we use the, the, when we build the Florida fences for our tomatoes, and that's where you, you know, drive in the, the fence posts and then you run the string in between the fence posts and give the tomato plant something to uh, to, to grow between. Um, next year, we've got to use longer yeah, fence posts. Cause because the plants started up a foot higher than they did in the down garden, so right. they're already growing off the top and, and flopping like over. over. Right. Because so they're indeterminate, so they'll just keep growing until they frost over and die. Yeah, so they kind of look like weeping willow tomato We could probably go ahead and start trimming the tops of them down. Maybe they'll get bushier and not get so crazy. Maybe. Maybe. Uh, right now, I mean, it hasn't it hasn't been an issue. No. But uh, I'm, we're keeping an eye on it because those are also the bigger, beefier, yes. heavier tomatoes. Yeah, that's where we got the, the Cherokees are out there. The Amish gold slices are out there. Then we have Comstocks. We're kind of like a – they said they're good for food or for paste or for eating raw or for mm-hmm. cooking. Uh, but they kind of look like a, a big, fat Roma tomato. They're a little pointier. The other ones are all kind of roundish. Okay. Although the Cherokee purples look kind of mute, like mutant tomatoes in some instances. Yeah. They're so big that they look like they've like several tomatoes have come together to make the the uber tomato. Right. The Cherokee purples you would I, I don't think ever see in a grocery store. No, because they're so ugly. Right. They just they're not they don't look pretty. They're cool looking. They're, de- they're delicious. Yeah, but they're not uniform. No. They're not. You know, they're their own. Individual, they're snowflake tomatoes. Yeah, they're, they're <laughs> the, special snowflakes. They're each their one own individual, individual type of tomato. But they do, they're not, and they're they call them purples. They're more like because of the red and the green of the tomato, they they end up looking more closer to a brown. But yeah. the inside's kind of like a like that more of a purpley brown, purpley but, red. Yeah, and it's a beefsteak. And I had one the other day on toasted white bread with mayonnaise, mm. a little bit of salt. My favorite sandwich in the summer. That is a great summer sandwich, right up there with lobster rolls. <laughs> yeah, that's yeah. true. All right, we're going to take a, a quick time out. Uh, what's your favorite summer food? Is it gazpacho, the nice cooling soup? Maybe we'll talk gazpacho and uh, give out your recipe when we come back. Sure. All right, stick around. Just getting started here on this edition of 40 Acres and a Fool for the Blaze Radio Network. 40 Acres and a Fool with Cam Edwards on the Blaze Radio Network.
Tour Opelka with Mike Opelka. I finally broke down and got a vanity plate. The license plate on my car says after one, and it refers to after the First Amendment. Everything else is secondary. It was my dad's motto. After one, nothing else matters. So protect that First Amendment. And I use the Second Amendment to protect the First Amendment. Isn't that logical? But if you have an easily identified vanity plate, you shouldn't do dumb things. Pure Opelka on the Blaze Radio Network. 40 Acres and a Fool with Cam Edwards on the Blaze Radio Network. Welcome back to 40 Acres and a Fool for the Blaze Radio Network. Cam Edwards, Miss E with you uh, in the Cam and Company studios this evening from uh, NRA TV. We're going to go out and have a date night after we finish our podcast. Uh, I'm not quite sure where we're going yet. Supposedly there's a gourmet pizza place that's supposed to be opening up here in Farmville. Opening up. Opening up. I don't know if it's open yet. <laughs> we also have the uh, used-to-be gas station sushi that's now moved, so they're no longer next to the gas station. So, so we, we can, can say we just go for sushi instead of saying we go for gas station sushi. Exactly. Although it was a lot funnier to say we went to go to the gas station to get sushi because people all looked at us like, what? The what? Right. <laughs> and it wasn't in the gas station. It occupied the other half of the same building as the gas station. Yes. But uh, they shared the bathroom. good sushi. It was I mean, good really, sushi. They did share the bathroom. Yeah. So there but, was that was kind of weird. Uh, so uh, I mentioned uh, in the last segment gazpacho, which uh, the reason why I wanted to talk about it is because I'm not, nor have I ever been until recently, a huge fan of gazpacho, mm. and it's entirely because of you. Oh. That I am a fan of gazpacho, which I is funny because I love vegetable soup in the winter. Yeah. But like. Cold, cold, crunchy vegetables, like, <laughs> that just doesn't do anything for me. Mm. But but I will say, like, yesterday, uh, uh, Missy had made a huge vat of gazpacho. And so, so what all was in this? Okay, so this is going to be, like, mostly from memory, but I can uh, post the actual recipe tomorrow on my Facebook page. But it was at least three pounds. It was six cups and of— And the Facebook page is— um, it's Corning Goat Farm. Farm. There you go. Um, sorry about that. Um, six cups of chopped tomatoes, and I already listed all the tomatoes. So you yep. can use just red, but I like the rainbow. Uh, two cups of chopped seeded cucumber. One and a quarter cups, and I used closer to one and a half because I didn't want to throw it away, of uh, chopped, and I do a finer chop on a Vidalia onion. So I got tomatoes, cucumbers, onions. Peppers? I used one and a half cups of chopped green peppers, two, three, four jalapenos. Uh, I used that one little purple Oda. Someone got a couple of little bites. It was lost in there someplace. Uh, I think that's all the vegetables. Oh, uh, three cloves of garlic smashed and chopped up real small. Okay. And then a tablespoon of olive oil, two tablespoons of red wine vinegar, a tablespoon of balsamic vinegar, salt, Pepper, and then, oh, and 32 ounces of low-sodium V8. Okay. And you also added in just a dash of your hot sauce? Uh, about, yeah, a little bit more. The, the recipe called for half a teaspoon. I probably put in a teaspoon by mistake, but a little bit. There was not, I couldn't notice, I did not notice any heat. No, and I used the jal- jalapeno peppers, which are the lowest of the heat of the peppers. Okay. So, and I think I used, my, my green bells are really, were small. They were like, more like the size of an apple than the ones you usually see at the grocery mm-hmm. store. And thinner shelled. I used like five or six of those, but it was about one and a half cups. Okay, so, so. 
them. So what do you do? You just chop. It's chopping, and it's with a knife. You don't want to put it in the food processor because you don't want to paste. You don't want pico de gallo or the salsa they give you in Mexican restaurants around here. You want it in a nice, you know, small, small. chunk. You know, quarter yeah. inch, half. You know. You don't want big, huge right. bites. You want a whole bunch of small pieces, all about the same size. So you chop up all the vegetables, and yes, you want to have a sharp knife, and yes, it's going to take you a while, but go ahead and do it. I suggest that instead of getting a cucumber and seeding it, you just go ahead and get a seedless, like I did. Mm. The one long skinny was enough for the, the soup. So okay. One. Um, but you uh, chop it all up, mix it all together, add the oils and the vinegar and the salt and the pepper and then you pour in the v8 give it a big mixy mix and you put it in the refrigerator i like to get it cool but not cold Mm -hmm. because cold is like hard on my teeth but cool and not cold and then i found a a batard basically like a dense fresh bread that was uh already made at the local grocery store that had big chunks of garlic cloves in it yeah that was pretty yummy so i cut it in half and I cut it in half again because I didn't want to make a whole loaf, but I wanted a split top. Mm-hmm. And then I spread it with my homemade pesto, and then I uh, broke up and crumbled in chunks of fresh mozzarella. And I just put it in the oven. I heated the oven to 450, and I put it in the oven, but I didn't. I turned the oven off so that the ambient heat would, like, slowly get everything all nice and meldy, mm-hmm. and it would cr- get it all nice and crunchy because I, I like gazpacho with, like, sourdough croutons. And I was thinking that this would be, like, a cheesy – pesto crouton and it, and it kind of was and it sort of finished the flavor profile of the a mozzarella caprice salad yeah i did notice that while we were eating it yeah it was it was really a good dinner and i like i said that's not like my normal what i would want for dinner uh but uh i was so flipping hot i mean it was like 90 something degrees i'm out there mowing yeah uh and came in it was just you know it just about to pass out from the heat. So this nice, cool, crisp, and kind of crunchy, refreshing soup. Like I said, I'm not I'm not normally a fan of gazpacho, but uh, that was awesome. That was exactly what I needed. It was really yummy. And I think it said peel the cucumbers, but if I didn't, peel the cucumbers. Peel the cucumbers. Peeled and seeded. Okay. There we go. Okay. <laughs> I did not uh, have a, a huge culinary weekend in Bristol. The last time I was down there, I had some amazing barbecue. <laughs> Didn't have time uh, this time around. So John Pop, Cameron Gray, Danny Lyon, they got to have multiple <laughs> barbecue dinners down there, including one at Ridgewood Barbecue, which is it's kind of like tucked back in this holler. Uh, and it's the best barbecue. It was named Best Barbecue in Tennessee. Oh? Yeah. And it's hmm. it's different. They they sauce everything. Okay. Uh, and they sauce it while they're chopping up the pork. They they you know put the sauce in it so like it's like it's, it's really rich mm. and heavy. And apparently there's something called Ridgewood Belly that first timers get where you know it's like an hour later it's like oh <laughs> it's, I just oh I got it oh it's just sitting there like a stone. I didn't get Ridgewood Belly. Uh. Um, I mean I I got a <laughs> bit of a bigger belly after eating it, but. Uh, <laughs> It, it, it sat fine with me. Um, That's funny. That place is absolutely amazing. But, uh, yeah, we just ate at the track basically on oh. uh, Saturday. But, uh, you know, there's good track food. And I got to say, the uh, Bass Pro Shops uh, NRA Night Race was – it was awesome. Yeah. It was so cool. Yeah. Um, great crowd did, and – Did they let you drive anything this time? Not Aww, this time around. Man, Not even the golf cart. Oh, that wow. Was, I know, right? <laughs> Because because Bristol uh, Motor Speedway is 
it's built in this little valley. It just kind of uses the natural contours of the land. And so the drag strip is actually called Thunder Valley, and they just cut into a valley, and that's the drag strip. But then the racetrack itself is kind of up on a hill, and so you're kind of going down and up, and uh, golf carts. Uh, Anybody who can get around with a golf cart gets around with a golf cart, uh, so they don't have to walk. So, yeah, so that was fun. But um, (laughs) the race itself was great. It was a beautiful night. There were just a a lot of NRA members there. It was a really good time. The folks there at the Bristol Motor Speedway, um, they're just good people, you know, like everybody from the front office to the – People taking tickets. A lot of those folks are volunteers. Oh, really? Yeah. I mean, they just, you know, it, it's it's a real family. I mean, it's been open since 1961. Oh, wow. And a lot of the people whose, you know, uh, dads or granddads helped start Bristol Motor Speedway, they're still working there. Okay. And it's just a part of the community. So it's, it's a really special place, and it's a really great track. It has a lot of history, so it brings in a lot of fans every year. Sometimes the same fans uh, year after year, and so it's just a uh, it's a really really special place to be. If you uh, can make it out to Bristol next year for the night race in August, I would strongly encourage you to do so because it was a lot of fun. Uh, we're gonna step away for just another moment or two, but we will be back. We have a lot of emails to get to. Uh, oh, and I just thought of another foolish thing that I did this week. So okay. I want to make sure that, you know, we, we give the audience what they want. It's <laughs> called 40 Acres and a Fool. So it can't be, you know, just like you being a badass all the time. We oh, have to- well, I left the sucker hose on the other night accidentally for five hours. That's not a real smart move. Not a real smart move. But, but it didn't uh, hurt anybody. Yeah, that's not catastrophic no, or anything. No, it wasn't. The mulch absorbed a lot of it and held on to it for the next day, and everybody got a really good drink. Probably the equivalent of a pounding soaking, you know? Right. So, All right, stick around. We've got more coming up right after this here on the Blaze Radio Network. 40 Acres and a Fool with Cam Edwards on the Blaze Radio Network. Acres and a Fool with Cam Edwards on the Blaze Radio Network. Welcome back here to uh, 40 Acres and a Fool from the Blaze Radio Network. Cam Edwards and Miss E. Uh, so while we were gone, about uh, an hour, a little bit more than an hour away from us to the north, uh, we had two gatherings, actually one gathering of uh, opposite sides. Charlottesville is what I'm talking about. Oh, okay. You're looking at me like, what are you talking about? Okay. Yeah, Charlottesville yeah. happened. Yeah, Charlottesville happened. And uh, we were, you know, we were not <clears throat> in Charlottesville. I was actually supposed to take my uh, son, uh, our son, uh, the 17-year-old, up to Charlottesville that day because he wanted to look for a car stereo, and I had told him that uh, for his birthday he could get a car stereo. So we were planning on going up there. We actually had a, a friend come down uh, on Saturday, so we couldn't go up to Charlottesville. So we're hanging out, and we're shooting down by the creek, and— uh, you know, having a good time. We went out for barbecue and yeah. went to a uh, meeting of the county Republicans, uh, which was interesting. Sadly under-attended. <laughs> uh, sadly under-attended, <laughs> yes. Uh, but it was, you know, it was a nice kind of all-American weekend. Yeah, and really. Then, you know, like 50 miles away, all hell's breaking loose. Yeah, literally. Uh, and since then, it just seems like we've been on this... Uh, path to stupidity uh, where, you know, I I mean, like, this is one of the things that, it's one of the reasons why I did not start this podcast by talking about this, because 
I, sometimes when I start talking about this, I don't know when I'll stop. <laughs> you know, I mean, there's like there's so much going on that I, I, I part of me feels the need to comment on that I almost get like paralyzed because I don't even know like where to begin. You know, yeah. Um, it just seems like we've lost our ever-loving minds over the past week or so. Yes, I think you're you're right. It, I don't understand. I mean, I can understand you want to go ahead and move statuary that you find offensive, but purposely uh, desecrating things and not going through the whole process of, you know, voting and whatever. Like, I read a story today that some church's statues were defaced. Like, what does a Catholic church have to do with what's going on with this? I yeah. Mean, you're, it's, it's insane. The person who, who, who uh, did the, the damage at the the Holocaust Memorial in Boston mm-hmm. in front of a whole bunch of people. Like, what on, what, where is your brain? Well, and, you know, so one of the stories that I saw last week, I think it was, in Seattle, they've got, I think and it's, a, it's on private property, but it's a, it's a Confederate memorial or it's a Robert E. Lee statue or something. They've also got, and you and I were talking about this off podcast last week, they've got a statue of Vladimir Lenin. Oh, now they're in saying. In this neighborhood in, I just read a in story. Seattle. Yeah. Right. Which is also on private property. And it was bought after the fall of the, the Soviet Union. Um, guy found it in a scrapyard, basically moved it over to Seattle, and was hoping to sell it for more money and never has been able to right. find anybody to meet his price. The, meanwhile, the price keeps going up. Uh, but it's, it, it, so, so anyway, so the mayor of Seattle says, okay, we're going to take both of these down. Oh, okay. I don't even know how he can do that because they're on private property. I don't think he could take down that one guy's statue. It's like that would be like somebody coming onto my property and deciding that they didn't like the art that I put in my yard. Right. You, yes. You, you can't That's do exactly. that. <laughs> so you just can't. So I you mean, got like you know you got you got you got governments that are trying to go after stuff on private property. Uh, you've got obviously the private citizens who are now deciding to go after stuff that's on public property, like the Columbus statue in Baltimore that was uh, yeah. obliterated with a sledgehammer, two hundred twenty-five year old you know memorial, and and some and they recorded themselves doing it. And somebody did it, and they you know were yelling about how Columbus was a capitalist. I mean, like. Well, yeah, that's a lot of people who came to this country who came because they wanted to be capitalists. I don't even think Columbus was a capitalist. He was more of a, was you know, a mercantilist, if anything. Yeah. But, uh, yeah, but, a- uh, but, you know, this where does this stop? Like, that's, you know, Donald Trump got so much crap from people when he asked that question last week. Like, where does this end? And the answer is, it, it in the minds of the people who are doing this, it ends when they're satisfied. Right, Great. because that's really what it comes down to: is these people saying, "I don't want to go through the democratic process." As yeah. you say, you know, if you want to have a, a city council meeting, okay, we're going to you know take these down, uh, we're going to move them to a museum, or yeah. we're going to you know melt them down or whatever. But there's there's an actual process. People get to speak their mind. That's you know that's how democracy works. So that's how yes. a republic works, right? Yes, um, they're acting like fascists. sneaking up in the middle of the night. And taking a sledgehammer to a statue yeah. or trying to blow up a statue uh, as the guy did in Houston. Yeah. Like, okay, at that point, that's that's just breaking the law. Yeah, and, that's just illegal. And saying, well, it's just property damage. Nobody got hurt. It's still destruction of property. I- exactly. It doesn't matter. It's still destruction of property. And if it's not your property, then it's illegal. And so if you've got these same folks who are destroying property who are also saying that, you know, it's okay to punch a Nazi because that's self-defense and they're just fighting fascism. And, oh, yeah, by the way, anybody they disagree with, 
is a Nazi. Yeah, I know. You know, like I, you and I have talked about this before. Um, obviously, any insinuation. Although I, I did. Oh, so here's the other thing. This is another. See, I told you. Once I start talking, got to keep going. So that was the other thing. I was the subject of an op-ed. In the St. Louis Post-Dispatch, yeah. which didn't right come out and say Cam Edwards is a filthy racist, but sure as hell implied that I was. Yeah. By somebody who has never met me. No. By somebody who chose to ignore uh, me talking on Cam and Company for close to an hour uh, about Charlottesville on Monday, the first day of the week that I did a show after Charlottesville and instead decided to talk about what I had talked about on Tuesday's show and how I didn't talk about Charlottesville enough. Why ignored, do you have to talk about Charlottesville every day? Why, uh, well, why can't I do the show that I want to do and right. talk about what I find important? Apparently, I'm not allowed. Yeah. Uh, look, if that guy wants to make the case that, oh, you didn't talk about it enough or you didn't say the right thing, fine, make the case. But when you don't tell your readers, oh, yeah, he talked about it for close to an hour with – a former columnist for the St. Louis Post-Dispatch who was suspended because the because this same guy who wrote the uh, the editorial to me, Todd Robertson, I think is his name, uh, said that Stacey Washington had not disclosed that she was an NRA member in a column about the NRA that mentioned the NRA, uh, unprofessional, so we suspended her, then she quit. Okay. Um, she and I were talking about what happened in Charlottesville. He chose not to write about that. Oh, because... Because of Stacey. Of her, yeah. And because, you know, the and goal was to try to make me look... Like a racist. And he's anti-NRA. Uh, I, I, absolutely. Um, so, you know, it's it's bad enough. So we got people, again, breaking stuff, right? We got people who are committing violence, uh, supposedly uh, for peace, yeah, right? I, that, peace that through violence. So well, right? You've got people who are, are just lying yeah. uh, about... The people that they disagree with because they don't want to have a debate or they're incapable of having a debate. So it's better and easier for them to just lie. Yeah. Uh, all of which, you know, you could spend your entire day talking. About, you could spend your entire day denouncing the things that we're supposed to denounce as opposed to actually articulating a positive vision. Right. You're yeah. forced to defend the things that you're not. And we don't have time to talk about the things that we are anymore. Yeah. And that to me is like the most depressing Thing about this, or we get so caught up in defending ourselves from the things that we're not, that we forget how important it is to talk about the things that we are. Yeah, that's, right. Yeah, I see that. So anyway, I. Uh, yeah, I, I love the fact that I got called a racist, and I was just like, "Are you fucking kidding me? <laughs> but just, just, have you not seen my family? You are ducking kidding me." I'm yeah. just like, "Wow, just wow." I know, but see, that's again, it's you know, it's. It's so much easier to just insult, mm-hmm. name call, demean, and then when you get mad, see, then you're being unreasonable. Diminishing, right? diminishing somebody's reality is the moron's way of, of, of escaping debate. Yes, that's a very good way of putting it. Uh, so, you know, I'm just, uh, I'm just trying to live every day. Trying to follow the golden rule. I'm trying to teach our kids, uh, right? Treat other people the way you want to be treated. Yep, and I'm I'm keeping in mind uh, something that I I think is really important, and that is you know the media loves the chaos because it's a it's a story every a news story every day. They thrive on that crap. They do. 
Um, we keep the neo Nazis like the chaos because they're hoping that a race war gets started, right? Uh, the Antifa folks love the chaos because they're hoping for the totalitarian totalitarian revolution uh, to kick off. And I think that there are many, many, many more Americans who don't like the chaos, yeah, who don't like the violence who may be, to a greater degree or another, happy or unhappy with the United States, but we're not calling for revolution. No. Might, might be interested in reform. Yeah, totally. But there's a big difference between reform and revolution. And, you know, between these uh, uh, groups that are out there trying to uh, cause violence and the media who loves to cover it, and by the way, and that includes social media too. That includes all of us. We're all now our... Our own little news networks on yeah. our Facebook feed and our, our Twitter accounts. Um, so, I, you know, it's, it's – I don't know how we walk away from this. I don't know how we get better unless it's just consciously trying to be different than, than these people who I think are trying to, uh, to bring down this country. So that's what I've been trying to do, consciously trying to be different than them. The funniest news story I, today I saw was uh, apparently a – Black Lives Matter protest group arrived at a location with an Antifa protest group, and the BLM people were yelling at the Antifas to take their masks off. And then one of one of them punched the other one in the face, and it was they were just screaming at each other. I'm like, this 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 is what we're becoming. Yep, tribal politics. I mean, it just you know it, it smaller and smaller tribes. As I always reminded of Life of Brian. The Monty Python movie, yeah, with the people's Judean front and the Judean <laughs> front of yes. the people, and right, uh, and they're yeah. like you know eighteen different <laughs> groups, and they all got basically the same name, yes, and they all hate each other. I mean, that's where identity politics, and that's where the the uh, the, the the tribal nature of politics brings us. And uh, I don't think it's good for any of us as individuals. I don't think it's any. I don't think it's good for for the particular cause that uh, you might be trying to promote. And I certainly don't think it's good for the country. No. All right, we're going to take a time out. When we come back, we're going to get to your emails. Email address is 40acrefool at gmail.com. Oh, and the apology, the foolish thing. Oh. It's been a while since I uh, made it to the post office box, P.O. Box 817, Farmville, Virginia, 23901-0817. And so I am so sorry, but we had a couple of packages that are on their way back to the sender. Yeah, because I, I hadn't picked them up in time. Probably already got them back. They, I th- the notices were if we didn't get pick them up by the 15th and the 16th. Whoopsie. Yeah. Okay. So my apologies. Uh, and Him bad. Yeah, him bad. Him um, bad. <laughs> and in the future, if you would help me out, and if you're, <laughs> if you're sending something our way, give me a heads up and let me know. Uh, I try to make it there regularly, but uh, clearly... That uh, that wasn't always the case, or that hasn't been the case I lately. I just happened to stop by today because I had to drop off my own mail. Yeah, so <laughs> my bad. Maybe I'll just stick to giving out the email address for a little bit as a punishment. <laughs> All right, uh, stick around. We've got more 40 Acres and a Fool coming up right after this. You're listening to 40 Acres and a Fool with Cam Edwards on the Blaze Radio Network. The 
Yaron Brook Show. We have been taught to sacrifice ourselves for the sake of the suffering in the world. And who are we to assert ourselves? That is what is killing this country. Humility is supposed to be a virtue. Why? I am proud to be an American of the fact that I live in the place that the founding fathers created on the principle of individual liberty, the, the greatest political principle in human history. I'm not humble about any of that stuff. The Yaron Brook Show. Sundays, 2 to 4 Eastern on the Blaze Radio Network. 40 Acres and a Fool with Cam Edwards returns now on the Blaze Radio Network. Welcome back. Here to 40 Acres and a Fool, Cam Edwards, Missy, and you. Now, via emails from uh, 40acrefool at gmail.com, including um, an email from Sean in Tahlequah, a sad farewell. He says, I wanted to let you know that we're selling our farm in Tahlequah, Oklahoma. We're actually moving back to Claremore uh, in the uh, northeastern part of the state where we live prior to moving to Tahlequah. Okay. He says, my father, who's 73, Claremore is up past Tulsa. Okay, okay. I thought I remember I-44. seeing the signs for it. Near Ulaga. Ah, yeah. Okay. Who could forget Ulaga? It's Will Rogers country is okay. what uh, Claremore is. Oh, okay. Uh, my father, who's 73, has very little time left due to failing health. So we're moving to their house to help my mother when he passes to the next life. We are not going to give up the farm life, says Sean. They, too, have five acres of land, so we will be basically moving our farm there. We are, however, giving away our chickens to a young family who's wanted to start a homestead, off-grid, self-sufficient, whatever you want to call it, to help them get started. Nice. Uh, once we get moved in and have a coop built, we'll be getting more. We're going to take our ducks, as there's a small lake on the property where they will have free range <laughs> among the wild geese that show up there each year to raise their young. We will also be taking our bunnies with us. Aww. Uh, a good thing about this property, Sean says, is that it has about as many pecan trees on it as we have now, so we are keeping our name. Oh, nice. Since we've been busy harvesting this past week, my wife Joy has made about a gallon of tomato sauce from our tomatoes, 10 pounds of okra that we've frozen for future use, and uh, too many cucumbers to count, plus about five pounds of lemon peppers that will dehydrate some and make salsa with the rest. Uh, Sean says, Miss E, if you're interested in lemon peppers, I would gladly send you some. They have a lemony taste, but they're very hot, 325,000 to Ooh. 500,000 on the Scoville scale. Ooh, yeah. Yeah. Sean says, uh, anyway, that's all for now. Uh, please keep us in your thoughts and prayers through this life transition. And if you know anybody who wants a five-acre farm in Green County or Green <laughs> Country, uh, leave them. Uh, please give them my email address. We're asking for $120,000 as we want to sell quickly. Tahlequah is absolutely beautiful. So if you are looking for a spot, send me an email, 40acrefool at gmail.com, and we'll make sure that uh, Sean in uh, Pecan Grove gets it there. Uh, or if you want to email Sean, it's uh, pecangrove.farm.gardens at gmail.com. And, Sean, we will definitely be keeping you in your thoughts uh, in our thoughts and prayers, keeping your family, uh, your mom and dad as well, because yeah. I know that's got to be a very, very difficult time. And, uh, and I hope that, that you are able to help uh, make it a little bit easier uh, for your parents there. It's a, a very good thing that you're doing. Um, also... Uh, from Dan, Pirate Dogs Homestead. Pirate Dogs Homestead. Pirate Dogs <laughs> cool. Homestead, yes. Dan from Pirate Dogs Homestead here. He has a, a link to a set of pickle pipes, uh, mason tops, pebbles, and pipes, mason jar, fermentation, tool set, weights, silicon, airlocks. I checked them out. They're a really cool set. I might have to put that on my wish list. So so what 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 are pickle pipes? Oh, so okay. So you know when I make it, I have to crack the the bar. Like, be careful and crack it 
So because they got to burp the jars. Yes. The, you don't have to burp the jars. They have like little weights that go inside, and it's a special kind of lid that has an, a, a oh, lock. Oh, it's so a little silicon little water. cap. Like yeah. Okay. All right. Dan explained in a uh, in an additional email. Um, he says that the gas from the ferment builds up and burps itself. Yeah. Through this little vent in the, in a pipe. He says you load your jars, you come back when they're done, no burping at all. Nah. Yeah. That is very cool. Dan uh, says I'm now on my own one and a third acre piece of uh, fooldom. Just north of Phoenix, Arizona, where I hope to soon put in some heritage turkeys, chickens, maybe a goat or two in a garden next spring. Uh, glad to hear your garden's going well after all of last year's troubles. Yeah. Yeah. We are, too. Statement. Yes. No kidding. Uh, Dan says, keep the podcast coming. They're the only thing that keeps me sane at the beginning of my oh-so-exciting week of data analyzing. Well, we will we will do our best, Dan, and uh, best go of luck f- to you, sir. Go forth and analyze. With the Pirate Dog Homestead. That's a cute name. Right? I thought Corny Goat Farm was funny. Also, uh, our friend Trent in Indiana, long time no email. It says, believe it or not, it's been busy around here. Yes, Trent. That cute little boy. And that cute little baby boy uh, says, uh, earlier this year, I said the garden would either be a huge success or an epic fail. The latter has proven true, he says. Uh, Lamb's quarter in pigweed has taken over what passed for a garden this year. The peas, beans, carrots harvested early enough to have some success. They were all turned into baby food for Roman. Who is nearly three months old already? That's amazing, wow. Trent. Doing great. Winter squash are doing okay. He says summer squash did fine. Cucumbers and melons were a fail. Tomatoes and peppers a bigger fail. Does look like I'll have lumina and knucklehead pumpkins, but the vine borers are making progress. Oh, I don't have that. I don't think knock on something. Yeah. Uh, he says, in the end, I took on too much along with the arrival of Roman. Yeah. I totally redid the landscaping around the house, removing rocks, replacing it with mulch, put in a paper patio. Only so much time, and the garden was what went by the wayside. The hogs, chickens, ducks are doing well. Ducks are proving more reliable layers than the chickens, and I am looking forward to duck egg noodles soon. Mm. Yeah, right? My plan for meat birds this year didn't come together either, given the time constraints. Trent says, uh, for me, August 1st has always been the fall is coming, start to button things up threshold, so I'm trying to get the place put back together. There you go. And my mess is cleaned up. Uh, Well, Trent, listen, you know, you may not have had a good garden this year, but just like, again, it's completely understandable, right? Just like uh, we last year were dealing with uh, Missy's cancer, yep. uh, dealing with a newborn. Yeah. I mean, that's pretty much. That's exhausting. It is exhausting. <laughs> and and, it's, and it's, it's all encompassing. Yes, it is. You know? So as long as you're raising him right. Then uh, I, I think that's the uh, the best thing. So, and then next year he'll be, you know, he can toddle around with you in the garden and help weed carefully. Yep, absolutely. Uh, also, we heard from Jim in uh, Arizona, Ranger Jim and Carol, uh, who were kind enough to get us a, a subscription yep. to Arizona Highways Magazine. And yes, we I are getting it. Yes, and I picked up the latest today. Uh, he said, uh, Jim says, last time I wrote, I teased a rooster story. Hopefully it entertains a little. He said, in the mid to late 70s, my father funded the purchase of a slate pool table from a shop in Oklahoma City by selling eggs to the ladies in the drafting department at Halliburton. <laughs> After several years of egg sales, he got his pool table, but this story is about a rooster we had during those years. Jim says, I looked up types. We had the Rhode Island Red, the Leghorn, Plymouth Rock, and a type of Gamecock. This rooster looked like the typical chicken in any chicken fight scene from older movies, and he was just as mean. Mm. We had a large plastic bucket in the kitchen. They got all the table scraps, and he trimmings off of vegetables, getting ready for dinner, fats and gristle from meat edges, watermelon rind, all went in the bucket. And when I would get home from school, Jim says, I would need to go feed the scraps to the chickens and gather the eggs. 
would get 15 to 25 per day, depending on the time of year. I would then have to go and clean the eggs, put them in a cartons, and into a refrigerator that Dad had out in the shop. They'd go into the ladies uh, at his work about once a week, 75 cents per dozen. Wow. Right? So like I said, several years it took yeah. to get the pool table. Uh, now, Jim says the rooster, the gamecock breed, was a nasty little bird that chased me almost every time I had to go out there. The coop had a door, and if I could get into the barn and into the coop, I could close the door and keep him out while I gathered the eggs and changed water. But he would just wait for me <laughs> and chase me back out of the corral area in front of the barn that's about 15 yards square of fencing. Once out of the corral, he'd usually turn around and go back to the barn, strutting the whole way. <laughs> Jim says, I hated that bird. We called him Dirty Bird, but I had other names for him if I wasn't around my dad. He didn't <laughs> like the foul language. We had him about one and a half years raised from a chick, but he was mean. At that point, Jim says, my grandparents were down from central Kansas for a visit, and my grandfather was needing a new rooster for his hens, so they decided they would take him home with them. Mm. And my grandparents at the time, he said, had a four-door Nova, very much the go-to-church type car, not the hot rod version. Right. And they traveled with, with one little suitcase, which sat in the back seat. This left the trunk completely empty. So my dad had a cage-type box about two and a half feet square by about 18 to 20 inches tall when sitting on the floor of the trunk. Rooster went home with him through Kansas, or to Kansas, made it most of the way through the summer. I said, I never heard any stories about the car trip home, but the rooster had a little grain of water in a small can wired onto the cage. He made the trip. At some point during the summer, the chickens were out free-roaming the area around the garden, and my grandmother was picking weeds. She was bent over, and Dirty Bird came up from behind her. The story from there is that Grandma spun around, grabbed the rooster by the neck, and they had chicken for dinner that evening. <laughs> I was told the meat was a bit tough, but tasted really good. <laughs> My grandparents were Mennonites in central Kansas, and they were both the nicest people you could ever hope to meet. Hardworking farm folk, but don't sneak up on Grandma on the garden spur in the butt. You might not like the results. That is some. That's a. That's a. That's, that's awesome. a pearl of wisdom I right love there. That story. Right. Uh, Jim says relating to the chicken eggs. Listening to your recent shows, I always wanted to. Or he said I wanted to pass on. My dad always had a small feed type bin in the coop full of crushed oyster shells. Yep. Uh, worked his grit in their cru- in their uh, crop, provided calcium for egg development to strengthen the shells. Uh, also, uh, uh, some notes on bees from Jim. But I tell you what, Jim, I think we're going to have to save the bee comment um, or comments for the next podcast here. But uh, I do appreciate the email. Hopefully, you and Carol are doing well. And um, uh, one more email from uh, from Charity. Writing in in uh, South Dakota. Charity says, uh, last time I wrote was in the springtime. And boy, a lot's happened since I wrote, she says. If you remember, my grandmother was diagnosed with a tumor, uh, brain cancer. In mid-May, she died, surrounded by her 11 kids at the age of 90. Wow. I appreciate the kind words, and I thank you for them. And uh, Charity, you do have our uh, sympathies, but uh, that is a life well-lived, it sounds like. Yeah. Uh, Even worse... However, my uh, grandmother's death, she says, was uh, uh, a week later, a close friend committed suicide. Oh. Uh, I was shocked that it happened. She says, sadly, it was a long time coming. He was a good man, a dear friend, and he will be missed. And, uh, you know, Charity, I also had a friend this summer uh, commit suicide, and I I understand a lot of what you're going through. Um, You know, if, uh, if... if in this crazy, freaked-out world that we live in, sometimes it all seems too much for you, um, please know that there are people who love you and people who care about you and people who want to help, and there are um, there are places where you can go. Yeah. There are phone numbers that you can call, 
and there are people who will listen. There are people who will help. It, it you know, sometimes just the as I said, the world can sometimes feel like it's uh, on our shoulders these days. Yeah. But uh, you don't have to go through it alone, and uh, and and the pain and the heartache that you will put good people through. Um, you don't need to do that. Yeah. It's, you know. it's a permanent solution to a temporary problem. Absolutely. Uh, Charity says, we made our trip to Duluth, Minnesota. A short trip, but so worth it. Uh, she included some pictures from Lake Superior. She says, the garden has been taken over in some places by weeds. Mm. The extreme hot weather and my lack of caring has kept me out of the garden this summer. But yeah. otherwise, she says, we should have a good harvest in the future. Uh, next year, we have a new plan for our garden. We have issues with deer eating the tops of the pepper plants this year. I showed my husband what you did with your tomatoes. He likes the idea, but on a bigger scale. Uh, Charity says, Missy, I'm, I'm happy to hear you're doing well. And Thank you. Keep kicking ass. Yippers. <laughs> we will. And uh, Charity, again, thank you so much. Uh, it, so so I'll, I'll leave you with this question. Because uh, Charity, when she talked about, and Trent too, when, when do you give up on your garden? When, oh. you know, like us last year, like it was, you know. <laughs> we had that one little pathetic patch of pepper plants. <laughs> right. And I kept just, that's all, it all we had. That's but all we the, had. Right. But we had, you know, 31. So, so, so when is it? How sauce. long into the season before you just say, ah, forget it this year? Is it, is it August? Is it July? I guess, I guess is by it, August you would because it's going to be the end right. soon. So when do you when do you give up on the garden? I give up on mine when the first frost comes and everything's ruined. And do you give up on everything or do you just give up on the stuff that – because we've given up on, on some stuff. We gave up on the beets this year. Yeah, we totally gave up. The carrots didn't carrots, work out. We right. didn't put that – because we didn't put any more tape down. And so for that, it was probably – Six or so weeks after we planted, we were like, yeah, this isn't working out. And yep. so then I just started, I quit weeding. Yeah. Right? I just let it start the, going up. The rabbits got it. Mm-hmm. So that, that, that's, our, uh, that's our takeaway question for the week. Yeah, when do you give up? When do you give up on the garden? <laughs> uh, in the meantime, be safe, have fun, live a little, learn a lot, uh, love one another. Don't punch people in the face. Don't tear down <laughs> statues. Don't randomly set shit on fire because you're angry at the world. Do unto others and you would have them do unto you. There you go. And we will see you soon with another edition of 40 Acres and a Fool right here on the Blaze Radio Network. You're listening to 40 Acres and a Fool with Cam Edwards on the Blaze Radio Network.